Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. I'm alright today. You don't find a way to cross and you're going to get there. Got a good text just a bit ago from uh, listener Bronco 60. Sandy Clough's off today. Sean Trotar. Said that if you if you're the Nuggets, you, you shouldn't worry about or Nuggets fans, you shouldn't worry about the matchups. If you're gonna be the best, you gotta beat the best. Well, I agree. Completely. Hundred percent right. The difference is when you're looking at, let's say, the Avalanche going for their second consecutive Stanley Cup, but would be going for their fourth overall. And the Nuggets, who have never even gone to the NBA finals. It's a different mindset. And granted, I understand that the weight of a franchise's history tends to sit on the shoulders of the fans more than it does the current players for obvious reasons. I mean, when you're thinking about the idea that, you know, Nikola Jokic is worried about the 50-year history of the Denver Nuggets. No. No, he's not. Nor should he be. That's a fan expectation. But the reality is that the Nuggets, despite being the top seed in the West, don't know what they don't know. This is the first time they've ever been in this situation. This is the first time they've ever been the team with the target on their back for everybody else in the conference. That part is different than it is for the Avalanche, who know exactly what it feels like and who know how to overcome it, and they've done it. So when I look at the way that these teams have played over the last few weeks, that's where I look at it and think, okay, there's a part of me that is a little concerned about the way that this team expects to sort of flip a switch, right? Do they? I, and I don't know. Nikola Jokic is such a unique player insofar as not only does he play the game in a way that, that no one really has before, but he also has sort of a, an odd ability to sense almost exactly how much energy is going to need to be expended in any given game on any given night. Depending on how important the game is, depending on the game flow, he just sort of knows that. And that can be misinterpreted. We saw that over at ESPN a couple weeks ago, the idea that Nikola Jokic is a horrific rim defender. Well, uh, he's not going to confuse anybody for Bill Russell. But just looking at the numbers don't necessarily take that into account. Just looking at where a shot was released and where Jokic was. You have to look at the game situation. You have to look at the standings because Jokic is doing all of that. He understands at certain points in a game, well, I could do a a good job of physically guarding the rim and maybe prevent this layup. But this layup isn't necessarily going to beat us, and me getting another foul at this point in the game is more problematic. And he he really has sort of an innate sense of what is required in any certain moment. And early on in his career, it was fair to question that. But I think at this point, after two MVPs, and is clearly being, at least over the last three years, the best basketball player on planet Earth, I think you can give him the benefit of the doubt. Jokic knows what he's doing 
every moment he's on the court. So I, I'm not concerned about Jokic. Although there, there is an argument to be made that I've heard, and I don't know if it matters. I don't think it does. That Jokic may not be one of those guys that loves basketball. Okay, that's fair. I mean, he loves horses. He loves his horses. He loves riding in his Surrey in Serbia. He loves that. He intends to go back to that when his basketball playing career is over. But just because he didn't grow up with the game and absolutely love it doesn't mean you're not really, really good at it. <laughs> you don't necessarily have to love it to be great. And that's just the truth. There are plenty of athletes at a lot of different levels that have been extraordinary achievers that didn't love the game. They just realized, wow, I'm really good at this. I'm going to work on maximizing my skills. And I think Jokic has clearly done that. I think he understands at this point in his career, quite frankly, that even at his relatively tender age, I think Nikola Jokic understands the only thing that is keeping his career from being almost completely filled out is a title. Nikola Jokic is 28 years old. If Jokic were to, let's say the Nuggets win the NBA championship this year. I mean, chance to dream, right? Nikola Jokic will be 28 years old, two-time MVP, maybe three, but it'll be two. NBA title. Best player in Nuggets history. Almost averaged a triple-double as a center. First non-guard to ever do it, and could have done it if he was actually a stat patter, which he is not. There's, there's your proof right there that he's not a stat patter, because if he was a stat patter, you're not finishing a year at 24.5, 11.8, and 9.8, knowing that it would literally take roughly two dozen more assists over the course of the season to get there. And sitting out the games he sat out. Jokic could have easily been the first non-guard to average a triple-double if he had wanted to. But since he's not stat-padding, he didn't do it. But here's the deal. Nikola Jokic, if they were to win the title, Nikola Jokic would be a Hall of Famer if he retired immediately after holding the trophy up. You might argue he'd probably, he may be there now. Nobody's ever won two MVPs and not been it. So I think Jokic understands what's at stake. He knows he's the top dog. I expect a tremendous playoffs from him. But I do wonder about what other players have had the ability to kind of turn the light on. When I look about the guys that I on this team and I say, who am I worried about performance-wise? Not worried about Nikola Jokic. I'm not worried about Bruce Brown who I think is a remarkably consistent player. I am a little worried about Jamal Murray. Yeah, I know we had Bubble Murray. I know that. But Jamal, and I've made this argument, and I've made it as a compliment, and I will do so again. Nikola Jokic is the team's best player. He is not the burning heart of the team. That is Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray is the guy that when he loses, it makes him sick to his stomach. But that can have its own sense of drawbacks, too. Jamal can, at times, take on too much weight, try to do too much, and it hurts his game. Michael Porter Jr., at times, can still get too relaxed, hanging out by the three-point line. When that's the case, it's a problem. Aaron Gordon can get too relaxed, hanging out at the three-point line. At least Michael Porter Jr. can shoot threes. Aaron Gordon can't. And it obliterates the spacing that the Nuggets are trying to put together and makes it much easier on the defense. 
the consistency from the Nuggets players is concerning at times if they truly believe, well, it's the playoffs, now we'll just play better because this team has not finished the regular season in strong fashion. Now, I do take the games in which they were resting starters and I throw them out because I believe they earned that. They earned the opportunity to rest those starters and those starters needed it. So I I don't really care that they lost to Phoenix. I don't care about that. I don't even really care that they lost to Utah where the starters did play but did not play their normal complement of minutes. Don't care about that. But I do care about a loss to Houston, and I understand that team was totally disengaged. They didn't care. They knew they had the one seed locked up. They were fine. They were good. No problem. But those teams, those kind of performances make me wonder if a team believes that they can just flip a switch. And here's the thing. I don't think the Nuggets can. I think the Warriors can. The Warriors are the sixth seed. But I know that team can flip a switch. They know what it's like when it gets to winning time in the postseason. They know how to do it. Now, on the bright side, if you're the Nuggets, the Memphis Grizzlies don't know how to do it. The Sacramento Kings don't know how to do it. The Phoenix Suns, eh. I don't know that they know how to do it much more than Denver does, that they've gotten to the finals, obviously, and they have Kevin Durant. I think the Suns are, as we stand today, and if you have a problem with it, Nuggets fans, call and text lines 303-831-1340, but I think as it stands today, the Phoenix Suns are the best team in the West. If you were to ask me today, throw the standings out, throw the seedings out, what team do you like in a seven-game series against anybody else? I'm picking the Suns. Now, that doesn't mean that Kevin Durant can't hurt himself sneezing. He's at that point in his career where he, he can be fragile. Devin Booker's had challenges even at his relatively young age. Chris Paul misses games too. That This is possible that, that health is going to be a major concern for Phoenix. Could happen at any time. Clippers have Kawhi Leonard, but the Clippers, it's the Clippers. Clippers have legendarily not won. Golden State knows how to flip the switch. A couple members of the Lakers do, the Hall of Famers that we mentioned there, that LeBron guy and Anthony Davis. Minnesota doesn't know how to. New Orleans doesn't. Oklahoma City doesn't. So when you're looking at it, I really only look at three teams that as a Nuggets fan, I would say I'm concerned about. Phoenix first and foremost the Warriors, and the Lakers. And the Warriors, at a certain point, when you look at an 11-30 and 30 home record, I don't know what that's about. But that's enough of a sample size where, for whatever reason, they don't play well on the road. But, as our texter Broncos 60 pointed out, you want to be the champs, you got to beat the champs. Well, there's a couple of champs in this field. You might have to go through them. You might have to go through two of them. This is a tremendous opportunity for the Nuggets, but I don't entirely know what we're going to get from them. What you need to see is when the play-in tournament is completed, and on Sunday when the Nuggets face whoever they will as the number eight seed. You want to see them come out and play brilliant basketball, because here's the thing. I'm going to take the Lakers out of it because I think Minnesota's a mess, and I cannot imagine them winning tonight. It's just that simple. I just can't. Minnesota's 42 and 40 and in disarray at the worst possible time. The Pelicans are 42 and 40 
They have some really good players, but they're not going to have Zion Williamson. Oklahoma City Thunder have Shai Gildas Alexander. Shai Gildas Alexander is a, in my book, if he was on a better team, would be an MVP candidate. It's tremendous. But the rest of the team's not that good. They're 40 and 42. Are they building to something? Yeah. Does the Thunder have a bright future? Yeah. Are they there now? No. They have a losing record. So in this first round, the, the Nuggets shouldn't have a problem with any of those teams unless for some reason things went really strange and you had to play the Lakers. And I still think the Nuggets are a better team than the Lakers. I am worried about other ancillary parts of that matchup, but they're a better team. But if it's the Timberwolves, the Pelicans, or the Thunder, the Nuggets should cruise. I mean, we're talking like five games. They should cruise. And if they don't do that, then yeah, there's a concern that maybe this team doesn't quite have what it takes. The, the hope is in the last week and a half, with the bench having an opportunity to play a lot, that maybe they develop some rhythm together. And maybe Michael Malone develops some trust of his bench. Because he is going to have to diversify the way he does his substitutions. He takes timeouts well. He uses his challenges well. The players play very hard for him. But the X's and O's within the 48 minutes of game time, too often for championship contending teams, Michael Malone ends up on the short end of that stick. That can't happen. None of these issues, by and large, exist for the Avalanche. This is purely health. Their coach, Jared Bednar, has already won a championship. He's had the best coaching year of his career, despite the fact I know they won the Cup last year. This has been the best regular season of his career as a head coach, given the challenges he's had. The Avalanche, with the man games that they've missed, with the people that have missed them, find themselves with three games left, an opportunity to still take the top seed of the Western Conference. I don't think they'll do it. But you know what you've got there. And those players, for the most part, have been there and done that. Even the younger guys. Even the Bowen Byrams of the world. It's been there and done that already. And to a certain extent, there's no substitute for experience. I've covered the NBA for a long time, and I remember talking years ago to NBA players about the difference of the way that the playoffs is officiated, the way it's played, the intensity, the, effect, the effectiveness, compared to the regular season. And what I came away with was the understanding for young players, one playoff series, one series gives you about as much hard knocks experience as half a season of your career. And some of the Nuggets simply don't have that. The Avs do. So the confidence level is different. I have more confidence in an injured Avs team with the second seed than I do with a healthy Nuggets team with the first seed. Because I know what they've done in the heat of those playoff battles. But I'm heartened by the fact that when you look at the NBA today and, and give all the credit to Adam Silver and company, and I have no idea what's been going on with the national narrative in the last 48 hours that David Stern would be proud of the fact that parody seems coming to the NBA. David Stern wanted parody about as much as you want COVID for a third time. David Stern had no interest in that. David Stern wanted New York versus L.A. or Chicago versus L.A. or Chicago versus Houston every single year and basically did everything possible to make sure it happened. This is Adam Silver's 
restructuring of the NBA in partnership with its players. No league and union has a better relationship than the NBA and the NBA PA, and they both deserve credit for it. But look at the top teams. The Milwaukee Bucks and the Denver Nuggets. Over in the West, the next two are the Memphis Grizzlies and the Sacramento Kings. You have the Cleveland Cavaliers in fourth over uh, back East. I mean, look at the, where's the big markets, right? Out West. Phoenix is slightly larger than Denver. Not much. You have the Clippers, Golden State Warriors. That's the Bay Area and the LA Lakers. You got your California representation. Otherwise, Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, Phoenix, Minnesota, New Orleans, and Oklahoma City. The NBA in the over two decades in which I've covered it has never had this many contenders from these sizes of markets, ever. And that's the reason to be most bullish about the Nuggets' chances is because it doesn't feel like a fluke. It doesn't feel like this isn't real. It feels like the NBA is now built for teams like the Nuggets to take advantage of their opportunity. The question, of course, in the end, is will they? We don't know. We will find out next week. But I do want to know what you think. Call and text line is 303-831-1340. Are you worried about the Nuggets? Are you worried about it for any of the reasons that I'm worried about it? You ready to just go get it? Are you like Bronco 60? Who cares? You came with the top seed, go knock everybody off. Is there is there a machismo about it? Or is there a nervousness about it? Look, I've been around here. I grew up here. I know I know Nug Life. I know how that works with the fan base. I share it at times. Where do you stand? Let us know. 303-831-1340. We'll be back with more next on Milo Sports. Let him go. Walk out the door. Come to me. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar. Presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Sandy is off today. I'm Sean Drucker. You can follow me on Twitter, Insta, or whatever. All my socials are the same. S-Drotar, S-D-R-O-T-A-R, the uh, traditional spelling of Drotar, for all those other ones that I'm sure you've met. If you're listening up in the Northland area, some uh, extended uh, cousins up there. So, uh, hey, how's it going? I can't say I remember how the whole second cousin once removed things work, but hey, there's a little uh, there's a little cloister up there of uh, of Drotars locally here. That's uh, all just kind of Colorado residents. So a lot of people, understandably exciting, and, and, and rightly so. This is quite frankly, I, and I would say this if I wasn't watching the Avalanche, this is for me the game of the year in hockey. There's ramifications. These are important. These are four of the top ten scores in the league, and they go head-to-head down at Ball Arena. Joining us now to talk about it from Altitude Television is our friend Todd Romero. Make sure you check him out at Todd Romero TV. Of course, uh, you'll see him all over the, the network, including uh, You Bet Tonight, which I've had the opportunity to host with him on occasion. Todd, uh, thank you for joining us. No problem, man. Just got off the golf course, so I'm, I'm good to go. Excited for a hockey game tonight. How'd, how'd you shoot? Here's the opportunity to, to know that uh, no one's going to no check. No one it knows. It's okay. Uh, 88. 
88, but it was it was the first 18 of the year, so you know, not horrible, but not not great. Yeah, it's better than I shoot. I'm just happy when there's two digits on the on the card. So uh, <laughs> not bad. To... Yeah, I'm usually I'm usually 80, 81, so I'm not I'm not too far off. Yeah, I my my handicap starts with a two. Yeah, I'm not. I don't, it doesn't I'm end not with a like two. Kyle, it starts with a two. I'm not like Kyle Keefe. Kyle Keefe's, you know, 73, 74. You know, I'm I'm 81. So yeah. I'm not, but I, you know, that's good. I mean, I'm not going to get oh, much yeah. better. That's yeah. where I'm at. My 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 strategy is always: I just don't want to be the last guy in on every hole, and then I'm yeah. good. That's all. Okay. I'm after. Then, then nobody can really say what you got. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm more of the uh, out there to get some sun with the with the boys and enjoy a couple beverages and uh, have a good time, kind of thing. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So that. Yeah. That. We'll, we'll go out and do that one of these days. But but Tom, we look at this game tonight. Obviously, um, this is as good as it gets. I mean, late game, late uh, late season game. Both of these teams need these points. The the Oilers have a chance to catch the the Golden Knights. Technically, even the Avs have a chance to catch the Golden Knights, but they certainly needed to stay ahead of Dallas. I mean, uh, as a fan, I'm just going to enjoy watching it, but I can, I'm can. i trying to break down this game, and I've looked at it, and I can honestly say I have no idea how this is going to go because the, t- the talent on the ice is at such a high level. It's difficult to predict who's going to get the best of whom. Well, you look at, at the Oilers, you've got 300 points. I mean, Connor McDavid, 151 points, I think. Yeah. Dry Seidel's got, what, 124? Mm-hmm. He's in the 120, something like that. Top two in the league. Ryan Nugent Hopkins at just a 103, 104. Yeah. Their last five games, you know, Edmonton has not, not allowed more than one goal. I mean, they've won. These are two of the three hottest teams in the league. I think Edmonton's won seven. Boston's won six straight. And the Avalanche have won five straight. Uh, I'm looking at the advantage for the Avalanche here that, They've been in tighter games. That the games where they've been behind, they've had to rally a little bit. Um, so I look at that as kind of an advantage, being at home, and the fact that you, you, you know, you had to get two two late ones from McKinnon uh, to win a game on the road against the Ducks that you couldn't afford to lose. Uh, but you're going against the scoring team, and if your goalie can make some stops, I don't know what the number is. I'm I'm guessing it's seven seven or seven and a half tonight. Oh yeah, on the over-under? yeah on the on the over under tonight. Yeah, I'll to, I'll look at that one for you. It's it's yeah, uh, it was I'm, up I'm, there. I'm, yeah, I've been on the golf course. I didn't check six, it. But, six and a half, which feels uh, like a well, jump you on know the what? over. <laughs> I, I'm all I'm all over the over. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going on recency bias of what Edmonton's done defensively over the last five games. I don't think they figured it out. I think it more of who they've played. Yes, you know, uh, than any because I think the Ducks were in that range. I think the Kings who sometimes don't score that much. Uh, but this is a huge game. I mean, it, if you're the Avalanche, if you win this game, you can split your last two and and have have that second seed in the Western Conference. I mean, you, you sweep all three and Vegas splits, you're going to have the top seed. And, and that's amazing considering where this team was. It, it really is. And I, I like the point you bring up because, yeah, you hear that they, they haven't surrendered, you know, the Oilers haven't surrendered more than one goal in five straight wins, which is yeah. true. But yeah. the, they're also true is the fact that uh, Skinner's been in for three of them and Campbell's been in two. And this has been a year where they have not been able to to kind of separate it out. Uh, Stuart Skinner, the goaltender there, 2.8 goals against, 48 games, 27 wins. Campbell, uh, 21 wins and 36 starts, but a 3.41. So the, the truth of the matter is, while I'm not trying to take away anything from the Oilers for getting that done, uh, they played Anaheim twice in that span, San Jose, yeah. teams that are eliminated. And when yeah. you're rotating goaltenders and still getting that low a total – 
it's it's hard to believe that it's the hot goaltending you're getting because they have literally been rotated. I mean, none of these guys have played back-to-back starts in any of those five straight in which they've won. No, and, and, and I think when you look at that, you're going to look at it at two clubs that have the offensive firepower. I mean, but you know what Edmund and, and, and Nathan McKinnon are doing right now um, is going to compare. They're going to be flying up and down the ice tonight. Um, you know, this is a game, boy, this is a game where you really miss Landis Cog because, you know, we talked about it the last time on was with you and Sandy, and, mm-hmm. you know, Landis gets in that crease and mucks it up a bunch in there, you know, and I, I think that's this is a game that you'll miss that a little bit because it, it can block the Edmonton goaltender a little bit and make it tough. But, boy, I'd be sure surprised if this game stays under six and a half with the scoring power that's on this ice. Yeah, and, and the, the fact that they're missing Landeskog, I think, is one of those things that's a, a narrative of this game, too. You know, the, the Avs uh, not expected to have McCarr. Of course, we know they're not going to have Lekin and two of the guys that are defensive specialists. Defensive specialists on these teams uh, are, are are out for tonight in many cases. And some of the bigger bodies are out for tonight. You mentioned uh, Landeskog as well. So it's it's more likely that this is going to be a speed and skill type of game. And it is obviously worth noting that when you're talking about those top lines, these are easily the best two top lines in, in the game. Uh, the Edmonton top line, as you pointed out, is, is, is absolutely ridiculous. But but I started the show by pointing out that it was going to be a couple things. Goalten- I don't know if goaltending is going to win you a game, but either goaltender is going to have to steal some would-be goals. They're going to have some spectacular saves. And it feels like secondary scoring. Who, is, who gets the goals on those second, third lines is going to be the difference maker in this game because I just think that the stars right now on both teams are borderline yeah, unstoppable. And, yeah, and, and I think, and here's the thing with Edmonton, you know, they're going to keep coming at you, and if you can stop them early and then make them, you know, that extra pass uh, and stay out of the penalty box, you know, is going to be huge, I think, for both teams. Um, if there's a goaltender that's going to be hot, I, I put it on the Colorado side. You know, if there's somebody that's going to get hot, I think it's somebody on the Colorado side goaltending-wise. Like I said, if you take off, if you take out those this last stretch of games where Edmonton's scored barely at all, you know, you're looking at, you know, you're looking at a team that gives up a lot of goals. There's a reason, you know, you have 300-point scores. You know, you'd think that you'd be far away the best team in the NHL like Boston is, or at least in the Western Conference, but they just give up a lot of goals. Yeah, that is generally the truth, and you're right, because, uh, look, the presumption is that uh, Georgiev will be in net again, and he has been consistently one of the league's best. Uh, You bring out the power play. Edmonton has had the most power plays in the league. They have 87 power plays. They cash it in at a ridiculous 32.5%. That's the best in the league uh, by a lot. The Avs, by the way, yeah, the Avs, by the way, in fifth at that point, and really less than 1% out of second, so they're efficient as well. But the other thing that's interesting is Edmonton also leads the league in shorthanded goals with 17. You just would really like to avoid, in general, a, a lot of special teams play unless you're on that power play because the one number that Nathan McKinnon has over Connor McDavid is that it is McKinnon, not McDavid, who has the most even strength points per game in the league. Yeah, I, you know, and I think one of the reasons Edmonton has so many shorthanded goals is the speed that they put on the ice, mm-hmm. the, the, the line that they put on the ice, even when they're shorthanded. It's just so freaking dangerous. You know, it, it, they one bounce of the puck, one loose puck at, at, at center ice, and they're off to the races, even shorthanded, you know, one-on-none or two-on-one. 
uh, because of the incredible speed that they have and skill on that team. I mean, the, the skating, the, the skating that people are going to see tonight on an, you know, on national TV is as good as it gets. I mean, you, you look at Boston, you get great Boston setting all these records. You know, I think they allow 2.13 goals a game or something. I mean, their defense is just incredible. This, this is, to me, this is a couple of teams that really have the ability to score a lot and, and, and you know, get a lot of open ice. But you, you brought it up, and I said it early, is Av's got to stay out of the box. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think if you find yourself on the wrong end of the uh, of the power play chances, that's a recipe for disaster. And it might be for either team, but it certainly would be for the Avs because of the lethality of uh, Edmonton's power play. I feel like we're shortchanging them. The Vegas Golden Knights uh, have the best record in the West. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have the best record in the West, Todd. And we're talking with Todd Romero of Altitude TV, uh, Todd Romero TV on Twitter. But it, it still feels to me like I'm going to set them aside. I look at the Avs and the Oilers, especially in the last couple months, and I think that these are the two best teams in the West. I don't think Vegas actually really fits. You know, I, I was talking to Nate Lundy, you know, like when, when you're not filling in for Nate, um, and I look at it, and I, I really think Edmonton is my – Edmonton was my dark horse, you know, three weeks ago. I said, you know, this team could win the Stanley Cup. And it was really before the Avalanche kind of caught fire. It got bad, and you got to give so much credit to Jared Bednar of, of being able to keep his guys cool. I mean, he never pan. The guy just never panics. He never gets too high. Never gets too low. He, there's times where he'll chew, he'll chew butt a little bit, and he seems to pick the perfect times to do it. And the team responds to him. And he's been around for a while. You know, they this team won a Stanley Cup. They could have mailed it and said, "Just this isn't our year," and they didn't do it. No, they have not. And, and Bednar, of course, I think uh, the fact that I, I, we understand Jim Armstrong of Boston is going to win uh, the Jack Adams Coach of the Year, and, and he should. Well, but Bednar should be second. I agree completely, and it, it's sort of shocking that he's that he is not. Uh, the way the Avs have played, we know about the injuries. We know but we have Landis Skog, and, and uh, we have Lekkonen, we have Kale McCorr. Bowen Byram is expected back tonight. That's good. But uh, what statement would it make if minus... Manson, Lekkonen, Makar, and Landeskog, that they still find a way to beat the hottest team and the highest scoring team in the league? I think it makes a big statement. And I think what it makes a big statement of is that you're, you know, you, you move from, you could have been a five or a six seed and what you've done. I think you're going to be a, you're going to be a top three seed by the time the dust settles. I think if they go two and one, no matter, even if they were to lose to Edmonton, and go two and one, win the other two games, you're going to be a top three seed. Uh, you beat Edmonton here, and then all you have to do is split your second game, and all of a sudden people are looking like, all right, here's the team that did it last year. They're going to be getting people back, too. Um, and all of a sudden they become dangerous. They become a team that's on the front of your mind. And listen, they went through a whole season with numerous injuries, five, six games out, and they're sitting like at 104 points because it was a masterful job coaching and it shows how deep this team is. And all of a sudden you get in the, in the playoffs with, with a one, two or three seed and you're the defending Stanley cup chance that have been there and done it. And you start getting bodies back. I think that worries people. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I guess that would, that you kind of answered the question I was going to go next, you know, let, let's say, let's go the other way. I mean, I think I, we're looking at it as, you know, the abs can get this done. It's a great opportunity. But what would it mean if they lose a close game tonight, which I think you alluded to? And what would it mean if, for whatever reason, it, it wasn't one of those nights and they just played poorly like they did against Pittsburgh and they get just stomped? 
Well, listen, it's it's about the consistency of this team. And I, and I think after that Pittsburgh game, what was it, a 6-2 game or something? Mm-hmm. So if I remember that right. It, it seems to be that this team at the right moments picks it up. You know, that prior to that Pittsburgh game, I think they won five straight. They had. So it wasn't like... You know, that, yeah, they actually, it even won six straight. It was five to two, not as bad right. as we had thought. But yeah, okay, they had won so, six prior to that. But you know, you'd won six games prior, so you're, you know you're going to have a game every now and then like that. You know, and this team has done a great job of just getting past whatever obstacles been in their way. I mean, there there is no way if you would have told me the list of injuries that this team had that you're not going to have your captain for all regular season. I'm sitting there going. Going in the last three games, they they have a shot for the top seed in the West. I would have said there's no way. Yeah, it is really with, with new goal with new goaltending. New goaltending, yeah, you're you know, right. You're, you're going the fact that you're in this position. This is bonus time. And and that's the flip side, right? If, if let's say the Avs go in, that they, they they win this by a little bit, great. They make the statement they need to make. Let's say the Avs find a way to win this game, say five to two. What statement does that make? Not only for the Avalanche, who know that look, we could get this done without all those guys, but for the Oilers, an opportunity to maybe cool them off as well. They only have one more game after this one tonight. Well, and it also they got swept last year by the Avalanche. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what they're coming in with their mindset tonight. Is they they got whipped by. This is as much for Edmonton's confidence as it is for anybody's confidence because they just got steamrolled last year. What was the? If I I'm trying to flash back to was it like eight four or something or eight three in game one last year? Yeah, there were it was it was one sided for sure. It was obviously I mean, there were, and it was embarrassing. Was total, yeah, and they 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 took Edmonton's skill out of the game. They could. And that's the thing with Edmonton. When you get a team that can score with you, then it comes down to defense, you know. And, again, Colorado's been in these games down the stretch where they've had to come back with eight minutes left down two goals. They've had to come back uh, and get a one-goal victory, regardless of who it's been. And I think those things make a difference. In that sweep last year, by the way, uh, the Avalanche scored eight, four, four, and six goals. Yeah in that yeah. series. So we'll yeah. see what happens uh, tonight. Make sure you check out Todd, Todd Romero TV on Twitter, of course, over at altitude uh, television with the uh, playoffs coming up. Obviously it's going to be a fun time. Thanks for spending some time with us. Uh, get back to the 19th hole. Enjoy yourself. Gotcha. Take it easy, buddy. All right. Take care. Good to talk to uh, Todd Romero there. Nice. Look at that. An, an honest man talking about his 88. Look at that. Good for him. Good for him. Can you look yourself in the mirror and say, you honestly would have said that. Uh, I would have, but if I would have said 88, I would have actually been fudging, and it would have sounded good for me. So uh, maybe maybe I'm looking at it from a different perspective. But a big game tonight. We will uh, take a look at what the Avalanche need to do. Todd alluded to it, and uh, I shortchanged the star power in this game. I'll fix it next on Miley Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Well, we haven't talked about it today because they're not a top seed or running for playoffs or anything, but baseball is back and the push for the postseason is on. For hockey and hoops, make it all count this spring 
with Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around, and with a direct line to the experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. And right now, you can get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. That would be a good opportunity for today for you. So don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. First, I need to apologize to Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who uh, I shortchanged, by the way, when I was talking about the, uh, the almost comical amount of offensive talent on display on the at the Avs and Oilers tonight. Nugent Hopkins, of course, the uh, third wheel on that phenomenal top line for Edmonton, has 103 points. So there are 10 100-point players in the NHL as games start tonight. Number one, McDavid. Number two, Dreisaitl. Number six, McKinnon. Number nine, Rantanen. And number eight, Nugent Hopkins will all be on the ice tonight. Five of the 10 hundred-point players in this game. That's extraordinary. And that's what I was talking about before. I mean, obviously, for, for Avs fans, this is an exciting and important game. But for hockey fans, this is just fun. And to be honest, if you have some, let's say you have one of those significant others that you haven't been able to get into hockey, uh, this might be the one <laughs> to go ahead and show people uh, this is the kind of game that... Uh, uh, the folks at ESPN have been dying to show for a while. It will be, uh, it's going to be a treat. And, and in, when, in breaking it down, look, you realize that every outcome is kind of possible, right? We know that both these teams come in on lengthy winning streaks. We know that Edmonton's on a phenomenal run in which they've had five consecutive games where they haven't allowed more than one goal. So they're playing very well. Avs are too. So could this be a close game? Sure. Could it be an overtime game? Yep. Could it be a shootout? Yep. Could it be a blowout for the Oilers? Yes, it could. Could it be a blowout for the Avs? It could be that, too. The Oilers certainly, as our friend from Altitude Television, Todd Romero, just said last segment, will be coming in steaming a little bit as they have one more regular season game after this before the playoffs begin for them. And certainly, their second-round sweep at the hands of the Avalanche is going to be, not in the back of their mind, probably in the front of their mind. And that's something the Avs might be able, quite frankly, to use against them. I expect the Oilers to come in firing right off the bat. This is a team that can score with anybody. In fact, they score better than anybody. Let's just call it what it is. McDavid is having a ridiculous season, 151 points in 80 games. When you run out the people who have done that, you're talking about guys that I don't need to tell you their first names. Gretzky, Lemieux. That's the kind of season Connor McDavid's having. 64 goals in 80 games. It's mind-bending the kind of year he's having. And he's got outstanding guys on each of his wing to get it done. I mean, when you're having that kind of year, you understand McDavid leads the league in goals. McDavid leads the league in assists. And McDavid, of course, leads the league in points. It's everything. Now, Miko Rantanen, however, is third in the league in goals with 54. One goal in the final three games will give him the new record over Joe Sackick for the Avalanche's single-season record. It won't be the franchise's single-season record because Michel Goulet cleaned up in the 80s. 
three seasons better than that over the course of the history when he was with the Nordiques. But for the Avalanche, Rantanen has a chance to get that record and get it tonight. I imagine Joe Sackick would be more than happy to get bumped on that list if it got him a win. The Avs have to make sure in the opening period especially that they do not find themselves on their heels. Edmonton is going to come out flying, trying to get a lead, and if they can't get a lead, they'd be out there trying to get a hooking call or some sort of penalty to slow them down to get on the power play, in which they are the league's most dangerous team by a significant amount. I gave you those stats before. They're the only team with an over 30% success rate on the power play. They're at 32.5. To give you an idea of how outlandish that is compared to the rest of the teams on the power play, the next best team is the Tampa Bay Lightning at 259 and when you look at that, we have to remember some of our uh, some of our our math, right? From all the way back in the day in in high school and everything, and you're thinking about all those percentages and all that sort of stuff. Okay, well, here's the catch: thirty-two point five percent is on the scale of a hundred, about seven percent better than the next best team in the league. But it's really more than that. Because the truth is, they're actually 25% better than Toronto. You'd have to multiply Toronto's 25.9 by 125% to match it. They are 25% better on the power play than any other team in the NHL. Absolutely lethal on the power play. So the Edmonton strategy in the opening frame is going to be very straightforward. Come out there with as much energy and as much speed as you can. Try to get an early goal or try to draw a penalty from the avalanche and then get an early goal. That's going to be the strategy. They would, they're okay with this game being high scoring because Edmonton has confidence that they have the better offense, especially if the avalanche have to catch up. So that's going to be the, the, the challenge. In that opening period, Bowen Byram expected to be back for the Avs after illness. Can you find a way to slow down the Oilers without drawing a penalty in the first, let's say, 12 minutes of the game? And after that point, things will start to settle down. But you have to make sure that you get through that and get through that cleanly. Penalties would be a killer in this case. And the Avs need this game. It's an important one. So that's going to be the first thing to watch for. When you're watching it, wherever you're watching it, of course, it'll be ESPN National Game tonight. Those first 12 minutes, don't miss. Don't, don't get there late. If you're going to the game, get there early. If you're going to go watch it somewhere, whether it's at your place or a, a local establishment, Thank you for supporting your uh, local establishments, by the way. Get there early. Because the Oilers are going to come with their very best shot right out the gate. That's the plan. If the Avs can weather that storm 
they will find themselves in good position because the Oilers will have burned some of that energy. That's the best opportunity that this team has to win this game. Otherwise, they're equals. The Avs have better defense than the Oilers. The Avs have better goaltending than the Oilers. The Oilers have a better offense than the Avs. But it's not night and day in any of this. It's incremental. The difference is not immense. But that's going to be the key. If the Avs come through the first period ahead or tied, they're in really good shape. The worry is if they come out trailing. And I know this team has come from behind before. I know they're good enough to do it. But there's a difference between doing it against Anaheim and doing it against the Oilers. A couple weeks ago, Jared Bednar talked about in that loss to Pittsburgh that they had some passengers in the early going. That was his word. They can't have passengers tonight. This essentially is a playoff game. The Wild play later tonight. Although they're a couple behind, and the Stars will play tomorrow. But for the Avs, this is the opportunity to put that pressure on with only two games left in the season after this. So that's the key. First period, tied or ahead, Avs should be in good shape. Edmonton favored, by the way, the over-under on that six and a half. I was talking with Todd a little bit. Uh, we occasionally host you bet tonight uh, over there at altitude. Yeah, I like the under. I know, that, I mean, pardon me, I like the over. I know the, they've been keeping the under with the Oilers, but this is too much scoring, folks. This is going to be some points tonight, and it's going to be exciting, and it's going to be fun, and for hockey fans, it's going to be a treat. For Avs fans, you hope it's not only a win, but a statement win. We'll have a pretty good idea of how it goes early and tomorrow. Expect to have an opportunity to break it down with uh, not only Kitty Goss of Altitude, but, of course, Sandy Clough, who will be back. So we will end things over. And I say we in the royal we, because really it's just me today. But not really just me, because in the end, without Danny Bailey in the booth, without Andrew Detmer in the booth making things work, none of it works. I literally only have one button here, and I don't know what it does. So I'm not going to touch it. All Danny and Andrew in the booth. They're the ones that make it all work. You can always check it out at mylifesports.com slash watch or slash listen or on the free app. And those of you who do so, thank you so much. Thanks to Todd Romero from Altitude for joining us, but thanks most of all to you for joining us. Thanks for all the callers and the texters. Appreciate all of it. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk about it more tomorrow, but it is time for Afternoon Drive with the friends Neil Apiro and Cody Rourke. Keep it right here on Mile High Sports. She hit in the wrong corners and she hit